Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Is Wednesday, October 6th, 2021. This is Shannon, and tonight I'm here with Brooke, Amber, and Natalia, and we are talking about books set in small towns, which I'm surprised we actually haven't done before now, because there are so many good books set in small towns, pretty much in every genre. Like, I can't think of one type of book that you can't find that's set in a small town. So we're going to get into the usual housekeeping information. Then Amber will start us off, followed by me, Brooke, and lastly, of course, will be Natalia. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so my first book of the evening is A Town Called Solace by Mary Lawson. And this is a fairly short book. Um, It's the first book she's put out in about 10 years. And it's set in a small northern Canadian town. It's It's called Solace, of course. And the book starts off with Clara. She is seven, I believe. And she has been told by her next door neighbor, Mrs. Orchard, that she needs to take care of Mrs. Orchard's cat. Um, and I, I, I'm blanking on the cat's name um, because Mrs. Orchard is going into hospital. Um, so she is taking care of Mrs. Orchard's cat. And at, during the same time period, her older sister Rose is missing. Rose had a fight with her parents and left the house and has not been seen in like three weeks while yes while Clara is taking care of the cat uh all of a sudden a guy moves in to Mrs. Orchard's house his name is Liam um and Clara (laughs) doesn't understand it's actually a um a main plot point Clara doesn't understand why this guy has moved in and in alternating chapters you hear the story of Clara and what happens to Rose, which is intertwined with Mrs. Orchard, which is intertwined with Liam. And you find out why Liam actually lives in this house and it's all connected. And while, you know, you go through the story, you meet all of these townspeople that help them figure out the mystery and helps the reader figure out the mystery. Um, And it's, you know, general fiction, but there is just a small element of mystery in there. 
Um, and it's just a really, it's a really good book. Um, it's, you know, there are a few violent parts, um, but it, you know, it's not terribly bad, but I would call it, you know, a general fiction or a mystery book. And again, that book is A Town Called Solace by Mary Lawson. Isn't this um, the author who wrote like Crow Lake several years ago? I think so. Yes. I think it's the same one. I will look to make sure, but I think you are correct. Yeah. That sounds like a book that I'm going to check out. Yeah, no, it's really good for sure. Yeah. I need to pick this up. Yeah. Right. So my first pick tonight is historical fiction. This is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And this is her second novel um, and my favorite of the two that she's written. Um, She wrote The Mothers, I think, back in like 2016. And then The Vanishing Half came out last year. So this is the story of twins, Stella and Desiree. And they have grown up in this really small town in the South. And this town is like so small, people can't find it on a map. It's like one of those places that you don't really hear about unless you happen to live there. So these girls grow up and they've always been very close, but very different. They each have like different dreams, different plans for their lives, but they still, like they always kind of think that they'll be connected. But when they're 16, their mother decides that they've had enough schooling and they actually need to leave school and get jobs. And she wants them to become house cleaners for this rich white couple. And so the girls like start this and they, they don't like it. Um, Stella becomes very, very bitter about this for obvious reasons. And she begins to think like, what would her life be like if she were rich and white? And so she decides that she's going to find out because one of the things that people find notable about the twins is that they are able to pass as white. And Desiree hasn't really ever taken advantage of this, but this is something that Stella feels is like a a benefit for her. So she runs away and she begins to live her life as a white woman. Years later, the sisters are reunited and you learn kind of about the different paths that they've taken and the ways in which this choice that Stella made not only affects like the family now, but will affect future generations because Stella's husband does not know that she's black, um, does not know that she has a twin, like knows nothing of her former life. And so now that the sisters are back in touch, like what will happen if, if he finds out and how will this affect her and their children? So this is sometimes a difficult book to read. It talks pretty openly about race, especially in like a small Southern town. Um, I don't think that the author really holds back when she describes, you know, some of the things that happened to black people in the 1930s. Um, but it's, it's a very, very compelling read, especially if you can kind of just take your time and really think about what, what the author is, is saying. So this is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. I read this last year and it was, it was a hard read. Yeah, it is. Cause I, 
kind of thought about my own life and how I'm indigenous, but nobody would know. So I don't have to, Uh, if if I decide not to tell people, then I don't have to tell people. Right. So my first book tonight is Next Girl to Die, The Calderwood Cases, number one by Dee Poirier. So this book takes place in a small island town off the coast of Maine. And our main character's name is Claire. So 15 years prior, Claire's sister was murdered. And it's really kind of played a big role in Claire's life. It kind of went unsolved. So she's always wondered, like, who did it and why did it happen? So right now she's works for um, the, the Detroit police as a detective. And she's been called by her small hometown and asked if she can consult on a case that they have that looks very suspiciously like um, her sister's case. So of course, Claire, she doesn't really want to go back because, well, she escaped there, right? But at the same time, she she wants to know what happened to Rachel. So she feels like she has to go back. So she goes back and she begins investigating. And what I really liked about the book when it comes to small towns is that you get to know uh, different characters and how everybody kind of has a secret and how everybody's secret is intertwined amongst each other because they are such a small town. You also kind of, you feel the claustrophobia of living on an island town and you almost get that gothic feel because you're in this like island, coastal, you know, all the stuff you get in those kind of books. So Claire meets um, a journalist. His name is Noah. And Noah has his own reasons for wanting to know, like, what happened to Rachel and wanting to solve her case. So we learn this as the book goes on. But Claire and Noah, they kind of develop a relationship. But at the same time, Claire's kind of not sure if she should trust Noah. So this is Next Girl to Die, The Calderwood Cases, number one by Dee Poirier. My first book that I'm going to talk about is by my beloved author, Heather Weber. Oh, I'm so glad you're talking about her. She has such good small towns. Oh, I know. And I can't believe I almost forgot her. And I should tell you the kind of day I had. But this is South of the Buttonwood Tree by Heather Weber. Yes. I love that book. And it's actually her second uh, kind of like, I would say, like women's fiction standalone thing that she's written. Um, mind you, I love her series. If y'all haven't read Lucy Valentine, go do it. But South of the Buttonwood Tree is about Blue Bishop. And uh, Blue Bishop grew up in a very small town uh, in called Butterwood, Alabama, which is very charming. And she's known for finding uh things that are lost for some reason it's kind of like her 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 neck her thing and uh one of the things that she finds in a very special tree that she likes to hang out at is a lost newborn baby 
which really shocked her because nobody has any idea whose baby that is. And meanwhile, across town, Sarah Grace Landon O'Fulton is kind of like at a crossroads in her life. And uh, she's got a lot of secrets that she doesn't want the town to know about. And especially not her parents because she feels like they will disown her. And somehow the finding of this baby connects Blue and Sarah Grace in ways that they never ever knew would happen. And basically like, it's just really really cool we get to know everybody um we i never ever guessed whose baby it was and it it just kept getting more and more and more mysterious every time and not the daddy (laughs) 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 no yeah and and one thing that really got me uh which i won't spoil completely but when they did the dna test that made me nuts because, you know, they, the, the cops get involved, obviously, and they have to find the baby. And meanwhile, this kind of connects Sarah Grace and Blue. And it's not what you're thinking. Like, this isn't, you know, when I read the synopsis, I thought that, oh, well, maybe Sarah Grace abandoned the baby and Blue found it. Which would be easy and probably a really great book. That's not this book. Um, and meanwhile, while they're trying to find whose baby this is, they discover really, really deep, dark, long-held secrets from the town. And they realize that what's more worth fighting for in life is it who they love and what are they really willing to sacrifice for that? Who And who are they in the name of family? So this is South of the Buttonwood Tree by Heather Weber. And I, I just really love her, her small towns. They're, they're everything perfect. They're gossipy. There's friends. There's things that make me unbearably angry (laughs) and I'm just a very very big fan of how she writes them so my second book for the evening is brothers on three by Abe Streep that's s-t-r-e-e-p um so this book is about a an um, Indian reservation in Montana and this small town that supports a high school basketball team So the reporter met, the reporter kind of came into town to do something else. And he kept hearing about these kids that just won the state championship in basketball. And it's, you know, a little tiny town that no one's ever heard of on an Indian reservation. And so, you know, he started looking into the kids and the town and, you know, all these kids were going through, you know, a lot of stuff. Like they were going through, you know, um, there was actually like a suicide cluster on the uh, Indian reservation while they were going for the state championship. So, you know, because it was a small town, a lot of the kids, you know, relatives were committing suicide and, you know, stuff like that. And it just talks about how um, it uses the small town almost like a character because it talks about, you know, each kid and what happens to them and how a lot of colleges, you know, won't take Native American basketball players because there's this, you know, um, belief that they won't stay, you know, for the whole four years. Um, And it's just what happened to these kids that won this state championship, how the town really rallied around them. And it also talks a lot about 
the history of the Native Americans of that place. And it goes into kind of each relative and the history of the town. And then because of the history of the town, you know, the history of the kids and their families and what happens to everyone. So this book, it's really interesting. It's a nonfiction book. And it was really, it was one of those that I never really expected to read. And even, but even if you're not a basketball fan, you can really appreciate like the issues that it brings up. And, you know, it's in, in a lot of places, a really, really hard read. But it also talks a lot about everyone says like, Native American kids have to get get off the reservation and go out somewhere and make something. And it kind of makes the case of what would happen if more people came in and made these places what the town actually wants them to be. So again, um, that street is, or I'm sorry, that book is Brothers on Three by Abe Streep. I will check this out. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's it's one of those books that like, you know, even if you're not a basketball fan, you can get, kind of just skip over the basketball parts. If you are a sports fan, it's even better. But if you're not, <laughs> you can still like appreciate what's going on and how these kids and parents sacrifice. All right. Hard right turn from <laughs> nonfiction to small town romance. I am very excited to talk about Act Your Age, Eve Brown. Brown Sisters, book three by Talia Hibbert. I love, 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 love Talia Hibbert. So I was really torn between talking about this one and one of her Ravenswood books, but I just, I don't know. I just really love Eve Brown. So I opted for this one. So this is the third in a series. Um, Natalia, cover your ears, please. But it is a series that you don't necessarily have to read in order because each book is is self-contained. Um, you get to see the sisters kind of popping in and out of each other's books, but there's not really spoilers. Um, so I read the series in order because I read them kind of as they come out, but you can certainly start wherever you feel comfortable. So Eve Brown is the youngest, and according to her family, the flightiest of the Brown sisters. Um, she kind of hops from job to job. She's just not really sure what she wants to do with her life. She feels like she's not good at anything. And both her sisters, Chloe and Danny, who we meet in previous books, have, you know, really like gotten their lives together. They're doing the things that they love. They're in like long-term relationships. Everything seems to be going so well for them. And Eve feels like she's just failing at one thing after another. So when she decides that she's going to have a wedding planning business and totally like ruins this really elaborate wedding, um, her parents have kind of had enough and they say that she needs to get a real job, stand, you know, on her own, act like an adult. So act your age. So she runs off in like a fit of peak and she drives around and she just decides somehow that she's just going to drive around and maybe she'll be inspired. She'll find a job that she can apply for. This is probably not the best way to look for a job, I have to say. Um, But because it's a romance novel, it it works out okay. So Eve shows up outside this bed and breakfast and the bed and breakfast is looking for a cook. 
So she decides, fine, like she can be a cook. That's all right. She hasn't like had any experience, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> like it'll be good. So she goes in and she has this interview and the owner of the B&B is Jacob. And Jacob is the opposite of Eve in pretty much every way you can imagine. So he really likes things to be tidy and, and ordered and in control. And Eve is just this very, you know, free-spirited person who kind of flies by the seat of her pants all the time. And Jacob is just like, there's no way. You, you cannot work for me. You will destroy my business. Like this, this is very bad. So he turns her down and, you know, she's upset and she's leaving. As she leaves, she manages to hit him with her car. Um, completely by accident, of course. And so he's injured in, you know, because of this. And now she is determined that she's going to make it right. And the way that she finds to make it right is to just sort of move into this B&B and become the cook and the housekeeper and pretty much everything that Jacob needs her to be while he's recovering from his injuries. So this is sort of a like opposite attract, like enemies to lovers kind of romance. Um, the best thing about it, honestly, is watching Eve like understand who she is as a person and that she doesn't have to live her life the same way that her sisters are living theirs in order to be happy and successful. Um, the town where this B&B is located is so charming. There's all this like great food that they talk about and these festivals that really seem to like bring the community together. Um, I just, I really love everything that Talia Hibbert does, but I feel like this series is probably like the, like the best of, of what she's done so far. And I'm so excited to see what she comes up with next. So this is Act Your Age, Eve Brown. The Brown Sisters, book three by Talia Hibbert. If you haven't checked it out, please, please do. It's so amazing. I really enjoyed it. Yes. I was, I, I only checked it out because of Chloe, like. Oh, Chloe Brown. Yes. So my next book tonight is A Cozy Mystery. Um, I just actually found this author last week and I loved this book um this one is like a prequel to the series I was hoping to find the first book before I did this episode but I wasn't able to locate it but I'm pretty excited about continuing with the series so this book is a witchy mistake witches of whispering pines point five by Rhonda Hopkins so our main character's name is Charlie Cooper and she is part of a family of witches. The thing is, Charlie herself is not magical as far as she can tell. So when we join her, she's um, at high school and her cousin Danu, Danu, I'm, it's D-A-N-U. I apologize if I'm butchering the name. So she is always starting, like starting things. So when Charlie gets to work, gets to school, sorry, she discovers Danu fighting with one of the um, like popular kids. 
and she knows this is not going to go well. So she's trying to run to her and to to stop her because she doesn't want her to get into trouble. Well, while she's doing this, she sees Danu doing something that she feels is going to cause her family problems because she ends up casting a spell like nobody else sees her do it but she casts a spell on the um, other girl and I, I, I could not stop laughing when I saw what happened on the spell but I'm not going to give it away because that's it's part of the fun so she ends up casting a spell completely embarrassing the person and then it all kind of like is they're able to separate and then that kind of goes on but late about I don't know a few hours later the girl is found unconscious outside of the main office and of course Danu having already had an altercation with her she is accused of assaulting her and like the girl herself like has no idea what happened so she couldn't really say who did it but charlie knows that there's no way that her cousin would ever do something like that like embarrassing her sure hurting her no way so she decides that she's gonna go go and figure out what happened and while this is all happening she ends up having what she thinks is a vision um, of Danu getting injured at some point in the future. So she ends up having to go to her rescue. So that's all I can say. So this is a witchy mistake, which is a whispering pines book point five by Rhonda Hopkins. Ah, uh, lovely, lovely witches. <laughs> Oh my god, if you ever like have a chance to read this book, you gotta read it. Like the thing she does to the other girl is so funny. <laughs> so my next book is Dumplin'. And yes, I said that correctly. Not Dumpling, but Dumplin' by Julie Murphy. And it's Dumplin' Book One. And actually, when I read this book, it was the only book. And I'm so happy that she wrote more books in this series. So this book is about a town, a small, like, I guess, city town called Clover City. And this book is about Willowdean Dixon, who is a self-proclaimed fat girl. Literally, like, that's how she talks about herself. And her mom is a former beauty queen, which has caused a lot of, I guess, tension, um, and also, I would say inner strength in Willowdean, because even though her mother is the way that she is, she's very at home in her own skin. And an example would be like her opinion on having a bikini body is, well, just put a bikini on your body. There you go. That's a bikini body. <laughs> and her best friend, Ellen, is like an all-American beauty. And basically, things have always worked for them and for I guess her her dynamic and her lifestyle until Will takes a job at the town restaurant Harpies 
it's a fast food joint. And there she meets Bo, who is a jock. And she's surprisingly attracted to him. But even more surprising, especially to her, is that he seems to like her back. Oops. And instead of feeling great about this and finding self-assurance in this relationship, she starts to doubt herself. And so she sets back to, she sets out, I'm sorry, to take back her confidence, causing a huge scandal by uh, entering herself and a bunch of very uh, different people to the Clover City beauty pageant which is the most horrifying thing she could possibly imagine. And where I believe that her mother is a judge. Because she wants to show the town and the world that she deserves to be up there as as much as any other geeky girl does. And along the way, she might shock the hell out of Clover City and maybe even herself. And I... I can't even explain. Like, I read the synopsis of this book and I'm like, well, let me try it, you know? And then I read it and I have to say it's probably one of my very, 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 very top, top favorite books ever, especially because we read about star- Starry Texas Nights, Red Candy Suckers, and my favorite Dolly Parton songs. Yes. Oh. And of course, a very unforgettable heroine that will make this book Dumplin'. By Julie Murphy, Steal Your Heart, The Way It Stole Mine. I need to read this. You haven't read this? I have not. I need to. My last book for the evening. uh, I sent my list of books to Shannon that I was doing originally. (laughs) And she's like, I cannot believe you are not doing this book, this upcoming book. And I went, oh my God, I am such a doofus. Scratch the book that I was originally going to do. Because my last book is Still Life, Armand Gamache, book one, by Louise Penny. There it and is. There it is. <laughs> and see, uh, Monsieur Gamache is my book husband. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> most of the books, uh, there are like 16 or 17 now. Um, and I'm very far behind in the series, but most of them take place in Three Pines in Quebec. And the first book, and, and Three Pines is very much a character in the series. And all of my friends who have read the Louise Penny books say, doesn't anyone die normally in Three Pines? Because <laughs> everyone dies in weird ways. So the first book is about Jane, who is an artist, and who gets shot with a bow and arrow in the woods on Thanksgiving weekend. And Armand and his team, who work for basically the murder squad in in Montreal, they go to Three Pines and they investigate this series or this uh, killing. And, you know, as you read along in the series, the town especially becomes part of the series. And the people of the town are all characters that are definitely explored throughout the series, as is the character of Armand and of his team who investigate the murders. Um, I can't tell you much more about the book or about the series, just to say that there are great characters, both good and evil. There's one uh, bad character that sticks to me 
you know, that sticks with me to this day um, and really affected me quite deeply in, in a later book. Um, but this is definitely a series that, you know, if you're into character driven mysteries and you also want a book husband, though, I will fight you for him. Uh, <laughs> you, you should read Still Life, Armand Gamache, book one by Louise Penny. I read the first book. Yeah. Series. Yeah. I've read the first book, but I haven't continued yet. But in the, in the book second was, book, yeah. what? go ahead. You know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I wasn't totally sold on the first one. No, I, you got to keep start. reading. Okay. Yeah. You got to keep reading. The first book hear, is good, but they get better. Do they? That's good to know. So my next book is also a mystery. Yay. And this is a series that I actually did not plan to read um, because I read something else that this author wrote and I really didn't like it. And then Brooke and Kristen both told me to try this one and that I would really like it. And I'm so, so glad I did. So this is A Bad Day for Sunshine. Oh, Sunshine Vikram, yeah. book one by Dorinda Jones. So good. Yes. yes. Um, I really didn't get into her Charlie Davidson books. And so when I saw this coming out, I was kind of thinking like, oh, it's going to just be like That's Charlie me. Davidson. Blast for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it would just be like Charlie <clears throat> Davidson, like perhaps minus the, you know, paranormal. But it, it's kind of not. And I did really love this one and the sequel uh, much more than I expected to. So Sunshine Vikram is the sheriff of a small town in New Mexico. She did not really plan to be the sheriff. She did not run for the position, but somehow her parents um, made it so that she won this election that she had no idea she had even like entered into. So now she and her teenage daughter have returned to this town and she is working all these like really strange cases. Um, one of them involves a rooster with the unusual name of Puff Daddy. <laughs> and then of course she starts, you know, investigating like things that are a little bit more serious. There's a missing girl in town. And a lot of this stuff going on reminds Sunshine of her own past because she was abducted as a teenager and doesn't remember a lot about that situation. So has a lot of questions. So as she's trying to find this missing girl, she's also trying to understand like what happened to her years ago. Um, her daughter Ari is struggling with some things as well. So you get to learn a lot about her. Um, you meet Sunshine's parents who are very, very unique. Um, I think I'm glad that they are not my parents. And we get to see this book club of kind of like middle-aged and elderly women. And somehow this book club seems to have an awful lot of influence in this town. And, you know, is this like good influence, bad influence? I, I can't tell you. Um, there is a romantic arc to this as well, but I don't want to tell you much about that because it would be spoilerish and bad. Um, but this is just a lot of fun in a way that appealed to me. Like some things that are are funny, that have that kind of like slapstick quality I don't really like. Um, but somehow the humor in this series has really worked for me. I got a little bit of a Gilmore Girls vibe from the relationship between Sunshine and Ari. Um, I think they just have a really cool 
like witty but also like very deep relationship there's just so many great characters here I read the first book earlier this year I just read the second one and I was telling Brooke the other day that I see the title and release date for the third book um, which will be coming out in June so I'm so excited that this series is continuing so I really do recommend this especially if you like mysteries that are suspenseful, but also just have like, a lot of heart and a ton of this small town charm that is like a pretty big deal in the stuff we're talking about tonight. So this is A Bad Day for Sunshine, Sunshine Vikram, book one by Dorinda Jones. I read the first book. I haven't read the second one, but I'm going to have to reread the first one because I don't want to Oh, Good Day for Chardonnay. That one is so, so the, good. The second one. It was so funny. Yes. So funny. Like, and then the third one is a hard day for a hangover. <laughs> I can't I can't wait to see what animal ends up in that one. So my last book tonight is A Hollow Inside by Brooke Lauren Davis. I will totally admit the first thing that got me on this book was <laughs> that the author's name was Brooke. I have never read a book where the author's name was the same as mine. And like I've read one with the character being the same, but not an author. Not the so author. Kind of... yeah, I don't know any Brook authors. But then the second thing that got me is the main character in this book. Her name is Phoenix. Oh, yeah. So that was the second. Like thing your that got canine me. was named exactly. Yeah, so that got me. So Phoenix is seventeen years old, and she's kind of been on the road with her mom for about seven years and they live out of their van and they steal to get by Ooh, so an artist thieves yeah I love it. It, yeah i know it's great so phoenix and her mom have decided that it's time to put their revenge or at least kind of revenge kind of just wanting to find the truth They've decided that they're going to return to Nina, the mom's um, small town hometown. Um, it's called Jasper Hollow. And Nina wants Phoenix to become close to Ellis Bowman um, because Nina wants him to admit um, to admit to something he did in the past. Because she wants him, like, she wants her father to know the truth. Hmm. So Phoenix and Nina, they head to Jasper Hollow. And the first thing that happened is, like, Phoenix ends up meeting the son of Ellis, like, kind of, like, by accident. She just kind of goes to the bakery just to kind of get a feel for this small town that they're in. And while she's there, she ends up meeting Neil and they kind of get to know each other and they're having a good time, whatever. And then they go off and do their things. And Nina's kind of upset about this, that she has not really learned anything because Nina is determined that they need to get proof. So she like everything that she does, she just wants like, she wants everything to just be over, all this trouble that she's had in her life. So Phoenix decides that she's going to go in the middle of the night 
to Ellis's home and take pictures. She's gonna, she wants to get pictures just to get a layout of the house and whatever, because she's determined that she's gonna get like get in with this family and get to know them somehow. She doesn't know how that's gonna happen. Well, she gets caught. And she ends up like passing out, like, or at least pretending. She passes out, but then she kind of wakes up and she pretends to still be passed out. So Neil carries her into the house. And this is how she gets in with the family. She has this like whole convoluted story of who she is and how she got there and why she showed up at their house with a camera in the middle of the night. So being a small town and just being a great kind of family, they take her under their wing. And we get to know the different people in the town. And one thing that about Ellis is he's kind of like the town's the town's boy because Ellis has gone from being like in an in poverty to now he's this like best-selling author and he's read he's written several books and they're all kind of about his past and they're all like self-help kind of books so he does like a lot of motivational speaking and stuff like that so it was really interesting to see like how the town is really rallied around Ellis and no matter like what people say about him, there's that's just nobody believes them because like he's such a great man and stuff. So Phoenix is kind of working to gather evidence and whatever. And at the same time, she begins to develop feelings for um, the daughter. Her name is Melody. And that, I, I really liked that part. Um, but things start unraveling. She starts discovering things about her mom and about herself that make her start questioning. And at the same time, she's learning things about the family and the inner workings of the family that make her wonder, is revenge really what needs to happen? So this is The Hollow Inside by Brooke Lauren Davis. And this is her debut. And it was so good. Like, I really, really quite enjoyed it. I need this right now. Yeah, you really do. You really do need to read it. Well, my last book is my favorite, favorite, favorite smart town. Smart. Yeah, that too. But small town book (laughs) ever. Ever, ever. I've been waiting to talk about this book all day. And this is actually the fifth book in the series. Holy crap, Hola. That's true. It's it's not really the I'm, beginning. I'm doing this. I am. And the series is called okay. Why Net Ticks. <laughs> and this book is Call Me Irresistible by Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Oh, I love this book. I feel like telling y'all about it is going to make me go reread it. <laughs> so wrong with a little get... Phillips reread. Oh, I do them all the time. Well, you know what? Save the dates, y'all. And RSVP to the most riotous wedding of the year. Lucy Jorick is the daughter of a Lucy. former president of the United States. Meg Caranda is the offspring of actors 
an actor and a model who are legends. And one of them is about to marry Mr. Irresistible Ted Bodine, who is the favorite son of Wynette, Texas. And the other one is unhappy about it and is determined to save her friend from a mess of heart heartache. And even though Meg knows that breaking up her best friend's wedding is the right thing to do, no one else seems to agree. And faster <laughs> than Lucy can say, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Meg becomes the most hated woman in the town, Winnet, Texas. And even worse, she is stuck in this town with a dead car, an empty wallet, and a very angry bridegroom. Broke, <laughs> stranded, and without her favorite famous parents to have her back, Meg is sure that she can survive on her own wit. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? Lose her heart to the one and only Mr. Irresistible? Not likely. Not likely at all. Haha. <laughs> So this is Call Me Irresistible by Susan Elizabeth Phillips. And yes, I started it at midnight and I finished it at like eight in the morning without sleep. And I had like the worst book hangover of my life when I finished this book. <laughs> Susan Elizabeth Phillips, especially her early stuff, like First Lady is so, so wonderful. Like, oh, yes. So this wraps up at least this installment of our huh. talk of small town books. Thank you to Amber, Brooke, and Natalia for coming up with so many great things. Thanks as we always. Had more. I know so many <laughs> more. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for all of her fantastic editing. And we thank all of you so much for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.